begin. Chav Chesam and Aleph. You know, Aleph, we are on the second wide line. Moving along very close to the end. Very close to the end. All right. Speaking of which, Tanar Banan, Mace Pisom. Person dies suddenly. Okay, there's a little bit of a, an unusual Gemara coming up, um, and uh, we have to try to work together to figure out what to make of it. Mace Pisom, if a person dies suddenly, Zuhi Misa Chatufa. That is what we call a Misa Chatufa. Chatufa means like to grab, right? Just out of nowhere, obviously. You know, it's Pisom, Pitom, you know, Ma Pitom. Where did that come from? If the person is sick for one day and then dies, zuhi misa dechufa. So that is a misa dechufa. Dechufa sounds like there's a rush. Like dechuf means urgent. If you look at Tosfos, Tosfos says chatufa v'dechufa. Near the top. It's the fourth Tosfos near the top. Chatufa v'dechufa lo yadana maishna hu u'minoi. Tosfos says, I'm not sure what the difference is between chatufa and dechufa. They're both this uh, immediate, you know, uh, sudden death. Okay, but neither of them uh, bode well. They're not, they're not good things. person dies, God forbid, suddenly. Okay, let's continue. Rabbi Hanina ben Gamaliel Omer, Zuhi Mises Magefa. Rabbi Hanina ben Gamaliel has a different name for it. He calls it a Mises Magefa. Magefa is a plague. Shenemar, Ben Adam hinni lokech memcha es machmar einecha b'magefa. Hashem says to Yecheskel, he always refers to him as Ben Adam. He says, I'm going to take from you, the apple of your eye, that which is precious to you, in a, in a plague. And then Yechezkel himself tells the story, I was speaking, I was giving over this prophecy in the morning, and that night his wife died. So that, that indicates a one-day delay. Okay, so that's what we would call not a Misa Dechufi, he calls it a Misa because the Pasuk in Yechezkel, Hashem... Uh, sort of intimating what's going to happen, that his wife is going to die, calls that a magefa. All right? we, we've discussed this in the past, because Yechezkel is, is where we learn a number of halachos of Avelos from, because Hashem predicts that he's going to be in mourning, and says, I don't want you to do X, Y, and Z, that a, an other would normally do, and uh, hence, we learn from it what we are supposed to do uh, during Avelos. Okay? Right? Correct. Okay? So, so far we have... Misa Chatufa, Misa Dechufa, or Misa Smagifa, if a person dies uh, after a very, very brief one-day illness. Okay? Gemara continues. Gemara continues. Shnei if the person is sick for two days before dying, Umes, and then he dies, Zuhi Misa Dechuya. That is a Misa Dechuya. Dechuya means pushed off, suggesting as if the person really should have died more immediately, but for some reason there was a slight delay, but it's still not very good. Gimel, if the person is sick for three days, Ga'ara, Gara, in, you know, literally means like a scolding. Also, suggesting that there's a message over here. Hashem is not happy, and that's why the person died so quickly. Arba, Nazifa. Arba, if it takes four days for the person to die, to be nozuf means to be shunned, almost like excommunicated. Okay? The, the Gemara has a Lashon, because I'll say that during uh, the 40 years in the Midbar, following the Cheda Egel, this week's Parsha, the Jewish people were nezufim. They were shunned, right? Moshe Rabbeinu did not have a communication with Hashem in a normal fashion, for 38 years, which is almost hard to believe, right? Because we, you get the impression, look through the Torah, Hashem is talking to Moshe Rabbeinu all the time. But there was a long, long period of time where there was very, very little communication. And the bulk of, uh, if you think about it, Balosra, Shlach, Korach, Korach is basically the end of the very initial period of the Midbar. Just on the timeline, Jewish people got out 
uh, of, uh, of Mitzrayim in, uh, in Nisan, okay, the first year. Then they went to Har Sinai. They stayed by the foot of the mountain for 11 months or so, okay? So now we're in the second year of the desert. And then shortly thereafter, there was Cheda Egel. Then they're already planning to, to move to Eretz Yisrael within a few days. They send, they send Moraglim, they send spies, and it's all downhill from there. Okay? Once Hashem says, after the spies, you're going, to, you're going to have a one-way ticket 40 years through the Midbar, right? So we have the episode of Korach, and we skip from Pasha's Korach to Baloscha, and 38 years go by. So it's very, you know, it's, it's hard to, 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 to notice that, but there's a, a large gap where... Right, but, but Korach is the, is the end of that, we'll say, earlier period within the first two years following Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And then Chukas, we already see Aaron dies, Miriam dies... Right. I think the 38 years are in the middle of Chukas. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah uh, correct, correct. I was not being uh, precise, but uh, but the point is, you have this this whole story, and there's a gap which we pretty much ignore. Okay, so Chazal say they were Nizufin. They were Hashem turned his back on them, so to speak. The pressure shlach that they were the Gezera was at the Meraglim, right? Right. Shlach, but then Korach, Korach. The Ramban says Korach was a politician. He knew the right time to to jump in. After, after the Jews were punished to be in the Midbar for 40 years, so he said, what better opportunity is there to, to grab the leadership because everyone's looking at Moshe, look what you did. You know, you got us stuck here in the desert. You sent us, you know, you sent off spies. So he said, oh, now's an opportunity when people are going to listen to me. Okay, so he took the opportunity. All right, let's continue. But if a person is sick for, Lachor means a minimum, a minimum of five days, that is called Misas Kol Adam. That's a normal, so to speak, healthy uh, you know, progression towards uh, expiring. Okay, and what's the what's the basis for that? What, what's the five days? So, because I'll say five days is enough time for a person to uh, prepare and you know uh, write up his last will and testament and you know put his affairs in order. Mm. It's not sudden. the 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 real problem with the sudden death, you know, uh, description that we're talking about is that uh, you know uh, there's so much bahala, there's confusion, everything happens so quickly. It's hard to really plan accordingly for a person's death. But five days already is enough time. Amr Abchaman, what's the uh, what's the source? Abchaman said, Micra, where do we see this in the Torah? Hein karbu yamech lamus. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Hein karbu yamech lamus. Literally, it means, behold, the end of your days are approaching. Okay, and and we have a uh, tradition, as we'll see in a moment, that that was five days before Moshe Rabbeinu's passing. Now, it's important to note, as the Ritva uh, says. Um, Moshe Rabbeinu was not ill for five days before he died. He was not ill at all. How do we know he wasn't ill at all? Pasuk says the beginning of Ayelech, and, and also uh, uh, at the end, Zosah Bracha, the final words of the Torah, it says, Lo chasa eno v'lo his, his, uh, his eyes, his vision, everything was strong, and you know, he was lucid. V'lo lecho means he was still, he was a little, uh, lechos literally means like moisture, meaning he hadn't, he hadn't dried up. It's a figure of speech, okay? He might have had a few wrinkles, but, uh, but it means that he was still energetic up until the very end. And, uh, and then he had a misas nashika. Hashem took him away with this, this uh, kiss of death, which is a positive thing, which means that uh, a super close encounter with the Kosh Baruch Hu, uh, that, that draws the, the, uh, the neshama out of the guf and brings it up to Shemayim. So Moshe Rabbein was told five days before he was going to die that... Uh, that he was going to uh, be taken up to Shemayim. So the Ritva says, it doesn't mean that he was sick before he died, but it means that he did have that heads up to plan for no longer being here. What did he do? Moshe Rabbeinu actually had a very active last few days of life. Uh, Chazal actually say on the last day of life, he wrote 13 Sifrei Torah. Mm-hmm. One for each of the Shvatim, one that was going to be kept in the Aron Kodesh. There's a whole sugi about that in Baba Basra. Maybe we'll talk about that some Chaz Torah time. 
it's a it's a question. How do you write thirteen separate Torah in one day? You know, you ask a sofa what it takes nowadays. You know, it could take months and months of separate Torah. Not only that, but the real pella, the crazy thing is, Moshe Rabbeinu died on Shabbos. Moshe Rabbeinu died on Shabbos. So how do you write how do you write separate Torah on Shabbos? That's another question. But it is important to note the reason I'm making a big deal about the fact that he died on Shabbos was because we recall that constantly every Shabbos when we say Tzidkos Chatzedek Liolam, right? We know Tzidkos Chatzedek by Mincha. That parallels Tachanun in some way, right? When you don't say Tachanun, if it's Rosh Chodesh, you don't say, right? Sidkos Tzedek is Tzidok Hadin. It's accepting divine judgment. Because at that, uh, that juncture between Mincha and Amar, the afternoon of Shabbos, that's when Moshe Rabbeinu passed away. So there's a few things we do that reflect the fact that, not an Avelos, but there is some sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, understanding that this is an auspicious time or, uh, you know, a sad time because we lost Moshe Rabbeinu at that time. Things we don't do. Things we don't do. Um, you know, there's a halacha. You saw it. What's that? Oh, really? I, I never, I never heard that. I never heard that. I didn't either. In Brooklyn, is that what it's? Is that what we do in Brooklyn? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I was not aware of that. There is something about not drinking water from the from the rivers. That may have to do with the bigger issue of the neshamos coming back from Gehenim because they're off uh, from uh, Gehenim duty on on Shabbos. But uh, one thing which is fascinating. The Gemara says earlier here, it's in Shulchan Aruch, that when a, a, a Nasi or, or a, the Rosh Beis Medrash, the Abbasin dies, Beis Medrash or Batal. If the Rosh Hashiva dies, then you shut down, you don't, you don't have learning that day, you don't have Shurim that day, everyone comes to the Levaya, right? So Beis Medrash or Batal. And we have a few instances in, in history and in Tanakh, because we know whenever we had a, a king, the king was also like the head of the Sanhedrin, David Amalek wasn't just a, you know, a king, he was, he was not just a political leader, he was also uh, you know, a great uh, Talmud Chacham. So, so everything stops, the Bismarck stops. So we, we don't learn, that's one of the reasons why I think in many, many shuls such as our own, we eat shalashudas between Mincha and Marev, as opposed to having a shir. It's a very convenient time to have a shir, but instead we, 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 uh, um, we have we have Um What do people learn between Mincha and Marev? They learn Pirkei Avos. Right? So Pirkei Avos is not really Torah, it's more Musr, and, and where does it come from? Moshe Kibbal Torah Misinai. So it's almost like uh, Azkara, you know, in memory of Moshe Rabbeinu at that window of time between Mincha Marv. So something to think about. Moshe Rabbeinu was given this, this, uh, this warning five days before. Now, how do we know five days? So the Gemara Darshan that Pasa came Kavri Lamus. This is at the very end of the Torah. This is in, uh, in, in uh, Zosah Bracha. So the Gemara continues, beginning in the next line. We are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven lines from the wide lines. Hain Cha. The word Hain is a hint to one. We'll, we'll get to that soon. Karvu, Karvu is plural, Trey, that's two. So we've got one plus two is three so far. Yamecha, days, minimum days is two, right? So we have five. Hachamisha, that's five, okay? So there, the, those, those, uh, that formulation, Hain Karvu, Yamecha, Lamus, is a remez to five. Okay, everyone got the math there? Okay, but what does that mean? Why does that word Hain mean one? So the Gemara says, Hain Chad. The word Hain means one, chicken beloshon yavani koran la'achas hain, because in Greek, the word hain means one. Okay? So you're laughing. Okay, oh boy. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say a shot over here if, they, if, you're, if you're laughing. Okay. So, so there is a pasuk that the Gemara elsewhere, that this, is a, this is an idea the Gemara has in a few places in Shas, that hain is the number one. There's a pasuk in Mishle, I believe, that says, hain yiras Hashem hi chachma. Hain yiras Hashem hi chachma, which Chazal understands to mean because of this this one, this identity principle, that the greatest form of wisdom is your Shemayim. Okay? So that's, that's another usage of where in a Pasuk, in Tanakh, the word Hain means one, which has to make you wonder, right? So we have a Pasuk in Tanakh, we have a Pasuk in Chomish, Hain means one, it's Greek. So where else do we find in Shas that 
it seems like there's other languages that somehow... Oh, totafos. Oh, okay, totafos. Mara says, what is the word totafos? Totafos is not a phylacteries. What in the world are phylacteries? I don't know what phylacteries are. Okay, but I, the totafos, I know are tefillin. But where does that come from? That's not Hebrew. So the Gemara says, tat bafrikishtayim, that the word tat in African, I don't know what part of Africa, but, but there's some African language where tat means, means two, and, uh, and, and there's another language called uh, kafti, I think, where uh, it also means two, so two plus two is four, and there's four sections of your uh, tefillin, four partios, so that means four. So what in the world is going on? So, lahavdil, okay, I'm saying this more, you know, there's a, uh, there, is a, 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 there is an obligation, there is a, an important inion to, um, we'll just say, negate um, apicursus, if you, you know, Bible critics say, oh, this is a great indication from the Gemara, from the, the Talmudic scholars themselves, that really, you know, a Torah is some sort of composite of different people over different times, and it was, you know, put together. Everything's from Hashem. So what in the world is going on? What is the Gemara doing by, by so I'll, I want to share with you a this is This is so cool. Okay, so the Malvin says this, and I also came across this in the name of Rabbi Rucham Lovavitz, the great Mashkiach of Mir. He says, he says, When Chazal say that it comes from other languages, When the Dor HaFlaga, when they built the Migdal Bava on Parshas Noach, right, that's when we went from having one language to 70 languages. So up until that point, everyone spoke Hebrew, everyone spoke Lashon HaKodesh, that was the, the, the Barashish Barokim, that was the language Hashem created the world with. When the world was, you know, scattered like that, and all the different languages, you know, one guy asked for a hammer and hits him over the head, I still can't figure that Midrash out exactly. Just because you don't understand what he's saying, why do you hit him over the head with a hammer? I don't know. But that's what they teach you in kindergarten. Okay, we'll have to get back to that another time. Um, Actually, Rabbi Mordechai Kamenetsky has a shot now. I'll tell you another time. But, uh, but what, what, what's going on over there? So we understand that to mean that everyone is speaking one language, and then Hashem snaps his fingers, and all of a sudden people are speaking different languages. So apparently that's not what happened. It means that there were remnants and clues or, or little pieces, fragments of the, the Hebrew language of Lashon Kodesh made their way into the other languages. It wasn't brand new formulations, but somehow... When we see in the Torah, totafos, yes, we can find it in African, but that just means that it may have fallen out of use in Hebrew, but it was sustained in other languages, and now if we pull back a little bit from the other, language, other languages, you know, in the same way you can have one language with different dialects, you know, shachiyuni, vikimuni, you know, it's the same word, it's shachiyono, we say shachiyono, they say shachiyuni, it's the same word, right? But we have to pull it back in, you know, you can, you can walk into a, a shul sometimes. You can walk into a Sephardi shul or a Timani shul. Forget about it. They pronounce things totally differently. You need to work a little bit to figure out how they're pronouncing the same word that you have in your sitter. But it's still all coming from the same place. So, so when it says hein, uh, uh, hein is a Lushan of Greek, it means that ultimately the word hein has its roots in Hebrew, but it became more, you know, more sustained in other languages, such as Greek, and that's why it's a valid way of understanding from the Torah. Like, I, I thought that was, that was mind-blowing. That's amazing. Okay. There are theories yeah. of linguistics in all languages. Indo-European. Right, right. There was a language right. called There's Indo-European. Romantic languages and Semitic languages. Right. Yeah, so there, yeah. there is some gravity there for us. Okay. Linguistically, I remember seeing that somebody trying to work that through on it. 
Interesting, interesting. There is a medrash, I think, that says that the word Anochi is an Egyptian word. The very first word that, I, that's the greatest irony. The first word that Hashem spoke to the Jewish people, right? Anochi Hashem Hashem So, I may have to say that for the Drosh on Shavuos. Stay tuned. Okay, stay in Hokrest. All right, so uh, the Gemara continues. I, I I try I try and well, I, I do that in, I do that in YU I have to admit and every once in a while the guys say okay like enough so then so I I stop here early I say okay go out buy your lunch come back and you know open Q and A whatever you want to talk about so if you want to do that one time we'll we'll, we'll set it up okay okay <laughs> okay continues the Gemara uh, so that's how we derive five days Moshe Rabbeinu got a five day warning and that is a paradigm. For anyone, even if you're not Moshe Rabbeinu, but a person who's sick for five days and they have that advanced notice, so to speak, that they're going to die, that's a healthy, uh, uh, you know, almost a gift from Hashem that it wasn't sudden. Okay. Oh, I think uh, we learned that uh, Medrash that uh, um, Sadi gets to visit his place in Olam Haba a month before mm. he dies. Is yeah. Okay. Gemara continues, Meis B'chamishim Shana Zuhi Misas Karis. A person dies at the age of 50. That is what we call Karis. Okay, that's called Karis. We're going to see, it doesn't mean 50 per se. It could mean somewhere between 50 and 60. Had a, had a relative who died, I think, at the age of 57. Now, but he had, a, he had brain cancer. Um, and, uh, um, and, and it came time for another member of the family had a child. And they were talking about naming the child after that relative. So there's a minhag that uh, you don't do that. A person dies unusually young. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a bad, bad omen, some sort of school that we, we, uh, we generally name people after, uh, not after people who died unusually young. Sometimes if it's very important to, to preserve that memory, they'll, they'll add a name. You know, it'll oh, be yeah, Shlomo, Shlomo Zalman, yeah, something like that. Yeah. the name Alter. Okay, okay. okay. Alter means old, he should live yeah, a long so life, you know, so Chaim, something like that. They're going to fall in right? mother son, that young person died? Because he was killed in the Holocaust for everybody. Okay, 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 yeah. But what if you have Karis? Naming after someone in the Holocaust is not a. That's a. Kadosh, you know, someone who died at Kirsh Hashem. Okay. Right. Right. If uh, if there's some sort of plague, so we don't know, we don't, it may not be so easy to say that that's Karis, you know, if it's something which affected a mass uh, population. Okay. Oh, okay. So hold on. Stay tuned. We're, this is everything you ever want to know about Karis, okay. you know, uh, where we're afraid to ask. Here okay. we go. So the Gemara says, Chamishim Shana Zui Mises Karis. person died, died at the age of 50, that's Karis. Chamishim Shana Shana Zui Mises Shmuel Haramasi. We'll come back to that. Shmuel died at the age of 52. Okay? Now, there may be a, a reason for that. We're not indicating that Shmuel died at, uh, uh, at that age because of Karis. Um, but uh, if we have time, we'll, we'll t- that actually does come back in the water, so don't worry, I'm not just putting you off. Just on a practical yeah. level, I mean, this is all interesting, all these things, but what's... What are you supposed to get out of this? Yeah. I'm so happy you asked. Yeah. I'm so happy you asked, okay? Because that is a question that both Inyakov and Iri ask, okay? Let's get the whole picture over here, and then we'll come back to it. Um, I'm happy you asked that question. Um, I just mentioned over here, Shmuel 52 is an interesting number because... Uh, one of my favorite, uh, you know, and I, I don't know about you, but our, our minhagim around the Seder, you know, certain people have the same songs they sing every year. I remember from a very young age, the same Divrei Torah every single year. You know, my brother came home in, from se- in seventh grade with a notebook, and he just, you know, said the same Divrei Torah for the next 15 years. So I remember them. Um, but there's a famous chat in the Haggadah when, when uh, Rabbi Lozabin Azariah says, Harei anikibin shivim shana, v'ozachisi shete'amer, 
But what does it mean, Harayani Kiben Shivim Shana? Rabbi Lezbun says he was 18 years old. Right? 18 plus 52 is 70. So some of Farshim say he, had, he was a Gilgal. He, was, uh, he had the same neshama of Shmuel Anavi who died at the age of 52. Okay? So this is how we know it. Um, okay. Continues the Gemara. Shishim. Zuhi Misa Shamayim. 60 is the age of Misa Shamayim. So what's Misa Shamayim? Misa Shamayim, simple pshat. Okay, we're going to roll back on this, but simple pshat is Misa Shamayim. For example, a person eats truma. If a azar, a non-Kohen, eats truma, so he's chayim Misa Shamayim. It just means it's, a, it's not punishable by Beisden. It's not capital punishment like murder or, or something like that. But uh, there's a punishment from Shamayim for Misa. Um, oh, okay. So that's one of the things we're, we still have to talk about. But one thing we do know for sure is when you look at the al at the end of the, you know, the long uh, list of al in the Vida on Yom Kippur, so it, the, the last section is al-chait shechatan al-fanecha, not bonus of Rasa, that's al-chait shechatan al-fanecha, carbon ola, then carbon chatas, carbon asham, ola viyor, and then as you get, then you get to the, to the basin carbonas, right, uh, basin punishments, but before we get to skilas, shreif, harig, v'chanak, that's the last ones, first there's one, shechayavim, misadei shemayim, then the next one is karis, okay, so they're, avari, right, so it's, it's mentioned in increasing severity, so the last things on the list are skilas, shreif, harig, v'chanak, misadei adam is considered a more severe type of punishment, Probably more painful, perhaps I don't know. But Misav uh, we know from that, you know that that uh, that liturgy that it's not as severe as Karis. Okay, I don't know if we're learning like Bav Metzia next, but it's definitely not as juicy as some of the things we're doing right now. It's a different type of juicy. But uh, okay, right, okay. So so what we know so far is ages. Okay, but but I want to warn you because this may not be the correct reading of the Gemara. Misav If you look at, I don't know if you have it on the side, Rabbeinu Hananel. Um Khan has a different gears than the Gemara that, that Shishim is not Misa's Misa Bideshamayim, it's actually um it's actually uh, Misa's Kol Adam. He understands this Gemara is not saying that sixty is problematic or indicating uh you know divine punishment, but it's just it's just normal. Sixty already after the age of sixty is, is within the realm of a natural meaning the words Misa Bideshamayim doesn't have to mean a punishment, divine retribution. It just means this is, you know. Naturally, Hashem says, this is your, uh, you know, your set uh, allotment of days. Okay? So there, there is a little bit of debate as to whether or not this is uh, meant to be um, death. Yeah. Okay, we're going to get to that. Take a little detour quickly. Tulsa's Misa B'deshmaim B'shishim. B'yushalmi mapik mi meisei midbar. Damrinan lo meis echad mehem pachos mi ben shishim. B'yushalmi says, where do we derive this? from the people who died in the desert. We spoke about before, right after the Meraglim, was decreed that all the people who were alive in the time of the desert would die within that next 40-year period. However, it also says that it only applied to the people who were 20 and up. Okay? So it means that 20 and up plus 40 is 60, right? If you were 18 years old, so you only made it to 58, you weren't Chai Misa. But if you were already 45 at the time of the Midbar, right? So it means that you, you probably died. 15 years later at the age of uh, 60. So we learn from there, this is taking the approach that we do mean Misa B'deshamayim, that 60 is, is uh, a punishment. Okay? Um, but let's, uh, let's continue. Omar Zutra, Maikra, 
what is the basis that we should call 60 years old, what, that there's significance to this age, Dechsev, there's a passage in Eov, Tavol Bekelach Eli Kever. You will come Bekelach to the grave. Okay? Bekelach Begematria Shisenhavu. And the Gematria of Kelach is 60. What's going on over there? Eov, right? Eov underwent the worst sufferings that any human being can imagine. Chazal uh, tell us it's because he was on the uh, base then. He was one of the ministers advising Paro. Paro was trying to figure out what to do with all these Jews who were filling up uh, you know, uh, Egypt. So Bilam said, let's put them in slavery. Yisro said, no way. He objected and he ran away. And uh, Eov, he was quiet. So he didn't object. Moran Sota, I think, and uh, Eov was punished. It's even worse, it seems, but maybe not. So, so he went through the suffering and over the co- a major part of the safer, Eov is a big safer, is philosophical debates of his friends, you know, trying to piece together and make sense of what happened to him. His wife died, his kids died, he lost all his money. So um, one of his friends tells him, okay, obviously you're suffering, but you should know that if you accept these, these, uh, these uh, punishments or whatever, this type of suffering, uh, willingly, uh, that will ultimately be a reward for you. That, and that will allow you to, uh, at, by the end of your life, to, to enter the grave you know, with, so to, sleep, so to speak, like a clean slate. You know, you'll wiped out whatever Averis you had, even though Eov, according to many, was a very, a very big tzaddik. Okay, so he tells him, you're gonna, at the end of your life, you're going to go at 60 to the grave. Sounds like 60 is pretty good. Okay, so this, this may indicate that, that 60, Misa Bidei Shamayim, means this is a normal, natural death. Okay? Continues the Gemara. Continues the Gemara. Shivim Seva. 70 is considered... Seva. Seva is what we would call in English, you know, a ripe old age. Shimon and Gvuras. And 80 is strength. Dilsiv, as you quoted before, our days are 70. Then the Gvuras run Shana, but if you're extra strong, so then you may even last for 80 years. So um, when it says that 70, right? When it says that 70 is the age, so it's not clear. We call that Seva. It sounds like it's a full life, right? So, but it also says Yemei Shnosem, that, that seems to indicate that that's also a natural uh, longevity. So it could mean that anywhere from 60 to 70, right? But if you actually make it to 70, so then that's Seva, okay? And, that's, uh, and then you go beyond that, that's 80, that's gross. Let's just think for a second over here. We call 70 a uh, ripe old age. So, um, so the, this actually, you know, uh, is focused on in the Mission 5th Parak of Perkei Avos, where it talks about you know, 18 years old to get married, you know, at different ages you learn different parts of Torah, then it continues, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, and 100. So uh, when it says that shivim, when it says shivim, so here we have seva. Seva means old age. What, what, that, it sounds like there's a positive thing to be ripe. What's old and what's ripe old age? So some of the first say it means that, that at that point, the body has slowed down enough to start signaling to a person that you're not going to live forever. That's considered... A, a, a good thing. When, you know, I think the Chavetz Chaim said that every gray hair, um, every gray hair is a hazmana to the beast in Shalmaila. It's a, it's a summons. It's a reminder. When you look in the mirror, just, uh, you know, it, it's good for us to know that we're not here forever. You turn the right yeah. crack. Okay. I, I, I got a few gray hairs myself, you know. Um, more than... Okay. <laughs> true. Okay. That's true. Okay. Okay. Don't wait past 70 years. But, uh, but that's considered a bracha. We're supposed to be thankful that, uh, that we don't die suddenly, right? Yaakov Avinu died. Right uh, at 147, but he asked that I shouldn't die suddenly because I'm not, not going to be able to uh, arrange for my affairs. And before that, people would, you know, that's the old saying. People would sneeze, you know, gesundheit, you know, and uh, God bless you, and that would be it. 
Kiddush. So it is considered a good thing to, to know that the end is, you know, is coming at some point. But it's interesting that the next, the next stage in life is Shmonim, is Gevoros. You usually don't go up, right? How, how do you go from being a, at a ripe old age to now I'm, I'm the strong man, Gevura, right? So what's going on over there? So I think the shot is because, obviously, it, it's, it's, a, it's a praise for someone who's Zoha to that, someone who could reach the age of 80, that's, that's a blessing. But it also could mean that Gevura, there may even be a renewed strength that's given to a person. If a person, you know, passes their, the, the normal uh, length of time that a person's supposed to live, it means that you may be given koach that's not on your cheshman, more than you were supposed to, 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 to get. For example, uh, Rabbi Eli Lapian. Rabbi Eli Lapian was, was uh, one of the greats of, of Musser in, we'll say, the previous generation. He died in 1960, 1961. And uh, just to illustrate, this is my favorite, uh, uh, one of my favorite stories. I heard this uh, many years ago from Rabbi Pesach Kron. Um, he, was, he was getting on in years. He was well over 80. And he was still waking up at like 4 o'clock in the morning. And his, uh, his doctor said, and the family said, you've got to slow down a little bit. You know, it's not healthy. So he said, I, I can't. They said, you know, I'm going to come to Shemayim one day. And uh, they're going to give me the big test. They're going to open up the Shulchan Aruch. And what does it say? The first line of Shulchan Aruch is, Yisgaber Ka'ari, a person should wake up like a lion. You should wake up the dawn. Right? So he said, I, I'm going to get the first question wrong. You know, like, I've got I to gotta do this. So at the age of 80, he was asked to start a yeshiva. And at, at 80, he wanted to retire. He wanted to just sit and, you know, and learn and, and uh, take it easy. And he, I think he went to the Chazanish. And the Chazanish said, you need to do it. Because how do you know if the reason why you're alive right now is simply based on your cheshvan? Maybe the reason Hashem is giving you the strength that you have is because of what you can do for other people. Sometimes we get blessings because of what we can do with it, and sometimes we get blessings because of what we can offer to other people. Even our wealth, right? Sometimes we're given money simply because of the opportunity or the test to see if we're going to spend it in the right way. So he said, okay, you know, you have to, as long as you have the strength to give to other people, go do it. And he lived to almost 100 years old. And who knows, if, if he hadn't made that decision, if he would have said, I'm just going to, you know, pull back in and do my own thing, who knows, if he would have lived for one year or five years, or who knows. So, so, so Shimon and Gevuros teaches us that there can be more to life, but you have to appreciate what, that, what the purpose of that extra strength is for. Maybe it's, uh, you know, I'll tell you something, my... Uh, one of my rabbi, Rabbi Yaakov uh, Neuberger from, from Bergenville, he said to me once that he believes he, his generation, and I'm sure many people here also, uh, it was a generation where people didn't have grandparents, either because of the Holocaust or people didn't live as long, they didn't have grandparents. And he said, this was when my wife and I had been married for a few years, my wife was in the PhD program and I was learning full time, you know, I couldn't, you're, you're juggling the kids also. And he said, this HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave our generation where there's more couples where they're both working and there's just, life is busier than it ever was. And he also gave his generation grandparents to help out with the kids. So, so Hashem gave everyone around the table, you know, the, the, the blessings of grandparents, uh, grandchildren, because, and, and, and the life and energy to be able to be more helpful, okay, to, to, to pass that forward to, uh, you know, a generation two ago, people didn't live as long. And, uh, and, and, and part of that blessing is also to be able to, to share it with others. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Everyone should be Zoha. Everyone on Zoom, everyone here to live many, 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 many more years and have lots of nachas and be able to give all the blessings that Hashem endows them with to help others and enjoy them and let others enjoy them as well. Oh, my father just had a fifth generation born. Wow, great, great grandson. Wow, can I know her? Unbelievable. What a bracha. Okay. Continue the Gemara. Amar Rabbah. Now the Gemara clarifies a little more what we were talking about before. 
between 50 and 60. Even though we, we had a bracer before that said 50 is kares, in reality it means between 50 and 60 are kares. But we didn't want to explicitly say that anywhere in that range of 50 to 60 is Kharis because that would look bad for the fact that Shmuel died at 52. So I had mentioned before, I think that Ron points out that if you, um, if you look at the Pusuk in, um, in Shmuel, right, where did Shmuel come from? He came from Chana, right? And Chana, Chana came to the Mishkan and she made a special tefillah that he should, uh, that she should have a child. She was not the Zohar to have children. So it says in Shmuel that. Um, at the age of two, she brought him to the Mishkan to, to grow up in, in the Mishkan, and Elia Cohen would, would raise him. And uh, I forgot what the lesson of the Pasuk is. She davened that he should live ad olam. Olam literally means forever. She wasn't davening to live forever, but olam is off. Uh, uh, we have this in, in Mishpatim, right? Right? He, after the Evid chooses to stay, Right, he, he says, "I want to stay by the uh, by the master, even after the six years are up." So then he gets his ear pierced, and then he stays laolam. Doesn't mean forever. Means until Yovel. So a fifty year period is sometimes referred to by the Torah as forever. It's a very long time. So so her tefillos were answered. Every bit of uh, life that Shmuel had was because of Chana's tefillos. So it was a two years plus a fifty years that he he uh, he trained. He was apprenticed, and then ultimately became the leader of Klal Okay, so that so anywhere between fifty and sixty is still Kari's. Um, okay, so now Tosos over here, uh, just be, in the interest of time, I'll just try to summarize outside. You asked what the difference between Kharis and Misa B'day Shemayim is, so there are a few different opinions. Tosos and Yavalmas talks about this, Tosos and Shabbos talks about this. Um, it, some say that Kharis is simply a description of children or no children. If a person has children, God forbid he can lose them. If he has no children, then he's not going to have any children. Okay? So that's one understanding of Kharis. Um, Others say that's not the only definition. It's also, based on our Gemara, it's also subject to just the longevity, how young he, uh, he died. Let, let's take a little peek at this. If you look at Tosas, the Ramaskal, Mesbach, Hamishim, Zui, Mesbach, Kares, in the middle, I have it over here. Ben Chamish, Son of Yashub, Mitzvah, Vaodmi, Meshno, Sov. He doesn't talk about it fully over here. Uh, look in the next Tosa, where we left off, actually. that We, uh, we said about the, the people in the Midbar, right? We said, Okay? So that we said at 60 years old, just like in the Midbar, they died at 60. So any age up to 60, up to 59 and a half, that's still, that's still Kares. The Zesh Nichras... And, and uh, when we say that the person's children are going to die, that could also be within that age range of 50 to 60. Some say that 50 is, is Kharis. And if the children also die, that's Kharis. So, so in other words, um, what the Tulsa, I think, is saying is that there's one opinion that it's based on just age, and the other opinion says, no, there's no difference between Karis and Bidei as far as age is concerned. It's just an opinion of the children. So it could be that between 50 and 60 are both the range of Karis and Bidei The only difference is how that affects the kids. Okay? We'll get to the, uh, the question of what if he passes 60 and then he's hired Karis. Let's read a little bit more. Almost done. Um, back in the Gemara. Rav Yosef, Kehava Barshisin, Avid Lehu Yom Atav, Rabbanan. 
when Rav Yosef turned 60, he made a party. Yom Tov, he made like a Yom Tov. He made a happy day for the Rabban, for the people in the base Medrash. Omar, nafki lemikaris. He threw a kiddush to, uh, to celebrate the fact that he, at the age of 60, he was no longer subject to kares. He, he outlived kares. Now, it happens to be Rav Yosef is uh, he, elsewhere in Shas, he makes parties. Um, where else do we find he makes a party? He makes a party, because Rav Yosef was blind, right? right? right, right, right. So, uh, so Gmarim Babakama says that uh, originally he said, I'll make a party for anyone who tells me that he's chayv and mitzvos. Because right. that's a debate in the Gemara over there. If someone's blind, are they chayv and mitzvos? If he's a deaf mute, for example, that's the disability he has, God forbid, so then he's putter from mitzvos. So what about a blind person? So he said, uh, if, uh, um, if someone can prove to me that I'm chayv and mitzvos, I'll be very... No, first he said, if someone can tell me I'm putter from mitzvos, I'll make a party. Then he heard a memra that, um, that it's godol mitzuva viyosa mimisha in mitzuva viyosa. It's better to be commanded, right? If it, let's say a woman shakes a little vanesser, or I shake a little vanesser, she can volunteer to shake a little vanesser, but she's not obligated to do so. I get more schar as a man for shake a little vanesser than she does. What do you mean? She's volunteering. She's, you know, she deserves a medal of honor. Yeah, but I have a yitzhar. I have a, an internal pushback, something that's, that's trying to prevent me from doing the mitzvah, so I get more schar because I overcome that, uh, you know, that obstacle. So Rav Yosef said, I'll be happy, I'll throw a party for anyone who, who can prove that a blind man is chayv in mitzvahs, because that actually gives me more reward. I thought I'm, you know, it's a big deal if I volunteer to do mitzvahs because I'm exempt because I'm blind, but now I learned it's even better to have the mitzvah and do it than to volunteer it when you're not obligated to do so. So here he says, I'm going to make a party when I'm 60. So the post can do say, like, is, this, is this a thing? Is this something we should be doing when we're 60? How, we don't really see that people have that practice. So there were two different uh, traditions. There were, there were parts of Kal Yisrael throughout the generations who did make a celebration at the age of 60. Others made a celebration at the age of 70. The, the simple explanation as to why we don't do this nowadays is because it could be an Ayan Hara. We're not supposed to draw too much attention. Okay, it's one thing, like the family gets together and you know, go out for dinner for the 70th birthday, okay. But uh, to really make a, you know, what they, a second bar mitzvah or whatever, uh, you know, uh, that, that already is maybe uh, asking for too much attention. My wife gave a surprise kiddish for, for me. Okay. <laughs> she made sure I was landing that week. So. Okay, okay. Um, okay, so Amr Le'abaye, Nihid Nafak Le'mar Mikaris Deshani. Mikaris Diyomi Minafak Mar. So Abaye says, before you throw your party, hold on a second. Um... It's true you, you survived the years of Kharis, uh-huh. but you haven't really survived the days of Kharis. What does that mean? It's, it's going back to what we started with, that if a person dies suddenly after one day, after two days, uh, right, that's a bad sign. So it could be that there's still, there's still a chance to be punished in a different way. Amrlay, Rav Yosef said, uh-huh. He said, you're right, I'm not totally in the clear, but you know what? Whatever it is, literally, I'm going to hold on to whatever I can hold on to. Okay? You think, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, he was blind, he forgot all his learning. Whatever, whatever I can celebrate, I'll celebrate. Right. It's also something to be happy about. Mm-hmm. Rav Huna died suddenly. The, the, the rabbis were afraid. What does that mean, Rav Huna? He died suddenly. Mm-hmm. We said before, that's a very bad omen. Two, a pair from this place. Uh, Hadayev, uh, they taught a brisa which resolved the uh, the fears. Lo shanu el shal nashika. When did we say that if he dies suddenly, it's a bad sign? That's up until seventy nine. Once a person reaches gvuros, once they reach eighty, so then if he dies suddenly, that's not a bad sign. That's misus nashika. So I think what that means is right. How, how, how do you how do you interpret sudden death as a good thing? So we said before about misus nashika that it's as if Hakadosh Baruch Hu is drawing the neshama out from the body. We believe that 
in the moment of death, what's going on is there's this there's this cataclysmic separation of the of the pair of the neshama and the guf that have been totally integrated for all these years, and that can either be a smooth transition or it can be a very difficult transition. Why would it be a difficult transition? Because if the neshama is so to speak so submerged in the guf, it's been so I don't know, tarnished is the right word, but, but it's heaped on so much physicality that it's more defined by its connection to the body than its spiritual qualities. So then, that's, then it's, a, it's, a, it's more of a struggle to separate the two. But if the neshama has retained its spiritual essence, so then it's a smooth transition because it never really became one with the guf. So when we say misa nashika, something that happens quickly could mean, I'm suggesting, it could mean that it indicates the, the sudden death was that smooth transition of the neshama separating itself from the body, which, again, is, is, a, is evident uh, to the fact, is evidence of the fact that, uh, that, that it was a very holy neshama um, that, that maintained its, its spiritual essence and wasn't integrated into the guf. Okay? Um, we'll stop here. Shkara. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Oh! Dr. Bernstein, remind me next time. Okay, I will get back to that. Uh, okay, <laughs> I did not forget. Okay, someone write that down. What's that? <laughs> That's right, cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. No, you're right for recording.